One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name's Richard Porritt and I'm joined, as ever, by Steve Anglesey. Hello. We're going to get to the news first. Uh, a little bit later on I'll be talking to Jerry Scott. We're going to be looking at exactly what happens to the EU open brackets, withdrawal, close brackets bill now that it's passed its second reading. And um, even later on we'll be crowning our Brexiteer of the week and getting to some of your listener tweets. Uh, but first, Steve, we now know that the speech that we had got a, a sort of whisper of a few weeks ago is going to go ahead um, next Friday in Florence. Theresa May is going to outline exactly how she sees the future of our relationship with the EU. What, what do you think? Well, they're going to, the Italians must be delighted, mustn't they? <laughs> Florence and the badly malfunctioning machine. Um, <laughs> Very good. It is, um, yeah, well... Um, it's going to it's going to take a thirty eight minutes, isn't it? Yeah, we now know from seeing that yeah. somebody's leaked. Uh, yeah, I saw that somebody's somebody's uh, paper. She's going to say everything that she said about six months ago. Mm. No great revelations. So mm. all the talk about um, all the talk on Twitter about uh, setting up our own uh, EEA is is apparently not right. No. Uh, because that would be stupid. So yes. I'm still holding out hope that she will. We would certainly never mention that on the podcast. No. So, um, so yeah, she's going to to uh, to Florence. Where uh, I was, I was in Florence recently. Have you ever been to Florence? I haven't. I'm told it it's is, very nice. It is a re- it's 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 tourist heavy. I will say, but right. it is very very beautiful. Well, the local delicacy is Florentine steak, which is steak uh, cooked very charred. Very, very, very rare on the inside. It's really beautiful. Bit of lemon on the top, salt, all of this. Well, after it's, the pod, I was going to chat to you about whether you thought I should go out there to cover this. To cover it? Yeah. Yeah. I think instead of going there and having a Florentine state, you should stay at home and have the traditional uh-huh. British meal of chicken lasagna <laughs> and boiled potatoes, okay. which which we know that is Theresa May's... Uh, go-to meal of choice now. It's an interesting choice to do this speech because um, it costs quite a lot to take her and her entourage to Florence, I imagine. Yes. We're paying for that. Yeah, we are, yeah. And she could have just done it um, in Downing Street. Yes. There are, I mean, to be fair to Theresa May, unless you are the Prime Minister and travelling there under these inauspicious circumstances, there are big queues to get into the church tower and into the uh, the Uffizi Gallery and the Bobbly Gardens and all these beautiful things. So I think she maybe she just fancied going just away. Long weekend? Yeah. She's going to do a speech in Vegas next month. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mauritius has always been a great partner of the UK, she'll say. 
Now, interestingly on this, number 10 are saying they're not briefing anyone. No. Um, now, they say that to me a lot, um, and then brief other people. Yes. Um, because the new European is not a friend they of... They don't really um, like us, do they? Um, but I can tell you that they're also not not briefing um, some of the more brexit papers um, as yet on this. Really? Um, it, it seems that they are targeting journalists, um, laser-guided targeting. <laughs> There's certain papers that they want on side at the moment. That seems to be the ploy coming out of Number 10's press team. They know that the Mail and the Sun and these people back yep. Brexit. They don't need to really um, get any favours out of them. But some of the more... I'm talking about the Times. Okay. Some of those ones that might waver a little bit, I believe, going to get the gonna uh, get gonna an get advanced... heads up on this. So I think we might see might see sniffs in the Sunday Times, and then I think we'll see a lot more. I mean, there will be some there will be some kind of embargoed release for all of us, of course, middle of next week. But I think the Times might have some some stuff early next week on this as well. So keep your eyes peeled. So do, are you expecting anything huge? Are we expecting any? I know they're saying nothing, you know not to hold our breath, but it seems like there's going to be something surely. What a little bone! I mean, there's, there are already sort of nudgings about a confirmation that the transitional period might last up to three years, uh-huh. aren't they? But anything substantial, any sort of huge conversion, I wouldn't really, I, I wouldn't expect it. Right. I think it will be a lot less spectacular than. Have you ever seen the film Hannibal? Uh, uh, possibly. The sequel to The Silence of the Lambs that is set in. In um, Florence, part of it is said. Most of it is set in Florence, and he's Hannibal Lecter is hiding out after the events of the Silence of the Lambs. He's hiding out in Florence. Um, is it because of the stake? Yeah, I think it probably is. And there's there is a fantastic there many. There is, it's actually it's a very good film. It depends on whether you prefer um, Jodie Foster or Julianne Moore as, as Clarice Starling, uh, Starling, obviously. But there's a really good bit where he says. Um, he, he confronts somebody who's trying to uh, arrest him and he says, I'm giving serious consideration to eating your wife. <laughs> Which is, so, you know, if Philip May, if somebody comes up behind Philip May and says that, if he says, I'm giving serious consideration to eating your wife's chicken lasagna with boiled potatoes, <laughs> then I think we'll know his their adventure has gone sadly wrong. I briefly anyway. met Philip Major in the election campaign, and he's the politest man on earth. I he think. seems really nice, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm all for Philip Major. In fact, I've put in a request to get him on the pod. Good. I think he'd be a great inclusion. He would be, yeah. We'll keep you posted on that one. Okay, next um, week. Someone who's turned down my approach to appear on the pod... Yes. Um, saying simply, uh, no more requests, peace and love, peace and love. Oh, Ringo yeah. Starr. No autographs, no requests. Yeah, um, so that's a shame. But uh, but it turns out he's a bit Brexity. Yeah. It's quite sad, isn't it, when people you like... I mean, we'll talk later on in the Brexit era of the week about Michael Caine, mm. who is also Brexity, but Ringo Starr, you never, know... Never meet your heroes and never ask them about Brexit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest, he's lived in Monaco since 1975, so he would be attuned, wouldn't he, to, to the, the, the finer points of, of British politics, not having actually resided in Britain for 42 years. But, yeah, it is quite sad. I can now not hear I'll Follow the Sun. I mean, I, I'll Follow the Sun, I always used to think, was a beautiful track from a Beatles for Sale, but now I realise that it is it is how Ringo evolves his political views based on his choice <laughs> of newspaper. Um, 
which is a convoluted joke, I admit. Um, but it is, I think it was quite a good joke. Well, it um, was. Yeah, it's 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 really quite sad, isn't it? Um, just when your idols and people that you thought for years are really great, and Michael Caine, I still think is really great, and I still think Ringo Starr is really great. His drumming is uh, is, is sensational, isn't it? Um, yeah. Well, Rain. Tomorrow Never Knows, you know, I mean, they, they, these are great tracks, aren't they? Not even the best drummer in the Beatles, is he? Isn't he? Not even the best Brexiteer in the Beatles, as many people <laughs> said, because there's an interview with Paul McCartney, isn't there, from a while ago, where he sort of went, oh, you know, I see both sides of this argument. I nearly went into a Paul McCartney yeah, impression. Yeah, I saw that, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a dangerous game. <laughs> Go on, I'll give, I'll give you my... I'll no, I'll do a my... Michael Caine later on. All right. I'll I'll do my you do Beatles yours. thing. Don't press the red button, Ringo. <laughs> Our editor's going to hate that. Who's that? Is that is it <laughs> whoever, Matt Kelly? Whoever says it on in, in Yellow Submarine. Oh, that's true. Yeah, but they have got very pronounced Scouse accents in that, haven't they? Yes, they have. Yeah, it's not actually them. Talking of um, body parts in <laughs> eating Hannibal body parts. style, yeah. George Osborne. It is really odd, isn't He's it? He's gone a bit Hannibal, hasn't he? Well. I mean, of all the chancellors who you thought might be secretly be a Dexter-style serial killer, who would it be? Cuddly old Ken Clark, <laughs> Norman Lamont, the old Badger. No, Osborne. Osborne yeah. Well, I mean, uh, extraordinary, um, really good piece by Ed Caesar, who I'm a bit of a fan of. Actually, he wrote a brilliant book called Two Hours, which I suggest you all read. It's got nothing to do with politics, but it really is fantastic. What um, is it about? It's about the uh, quest to run a sub-two-hour marathon. Oh. I was in the midst of writing a similar book at the time. <laughs> I'm serious. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but still to see the light of day, this book. <laughs> one minute, one hour, 59. <laughs> hey, listen, don't mock my book. It had an agent attached and a publisher and everything. Oh, and, and then, then the new European came along. You secretly hate this bloke, don't you? And you want to chop him up? No, no. It, my his my body parts. What's he called? Ed Caesar. He's... You want an Ed Caesar salad? <laughs> well, George Osborne might now after reading um, his piece, which which was superb. It's um, in it's in Esquire, isn't it? British Esquire. It is, and it, 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 it supposedly some of my former colleagues at the Evening Standard have told numerous have told Ed that. Uh, Mr. Osborne often says that he will not finish until Theresa May is chopped up in bags in my freezer. It's such a great quote. Chilling. Chilling. Next to the chicken lasagna. (laughs) It's an extraordinary thing. Um, I mean... Have we mentioned the chicken... I know I've said chicken lasagna a few times, but if you are listening and you don't know what I'm on about, there there was a... In February... Theresa May held a, a summit at Chequers where she um, was canvassing opinion from Tory grandees about whether she should call an early election. Uh, and the the meal that was served to them was chicken, lasagna and boiled potatoes. The, the standards become a bit of a... I mean, it's always been, in my opinion, um, a, a, an excellent political newspaper. Yes. But it, it really isn't pulling its punches at the moment, is it? No, it isn't. I think it has always been an excellent political newspaper, although the love for Boris Johnson... Yeah, under his, Veronica Wadley. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was a dark period for it, and she yes. was not a very good that was, editor um, of the Evening Standard. Um, yeah. 
Uh, in fact, she was a terrible editor. Let, let's be honest, she, she was awful and it was full of garbage about this Boris This is embarrassing Johnson. because I'm actually having dinner with Veronica tomorrow night. Are you? No. Chicken lasagna and... <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, George Osborne, an axe to grind, but also, clearly, when it comes to Brexit, who would have thought it? On the side of the angels, isn't he? And he is, has really stuck it to uh, Theresa May in the pages of the Evening Standard. Now there is this... Uh, this fantastic profile of him as a newspaper editor in Esquire, and uh, and it's a, I mean it's a hard thing to say about somebody who was a colleague of yours. Obviously, I have said it to Matt Kelly about you numerous <laughs> times. I will not rest until Porrit is chopped up in the freezer. But that's it, it's a difficult thing to say. But you can ima- it's exactly the sort of thing you can imagine George Osborne saying. Yeah, isn't it? I, I mean all power to uh, George Osborne. Quote-wise, that is a killer. <laughs> I love the. I also love what the number ten spokesman said. Um, the contents of the former chancellor's freezer are probably not a matter for me. <laughs> Although they might be if it happened to be your boss, yeah. the prime minister. If she does, if she hasn't turned up, yeah, Chris for Bryant, a few days. Chris Bryant was outraged. He said the words of George Osborne about the prime minister are absolutely disgraceful. He cannot say that he wants her chopped up in bags in the freezer which he is today reported to have said, he should apologise and withdraw. Well. He said that that type of language is misogynistic. It's misogynistic? Yeah. Well, it's... <laughs> it's got a bit further than that. It's, yeah. Murderous. It is murderous, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure that misogyny would be the, unless, the first, first on the charge sheet, would unless it? Unless he's doing that editor's thing whereby he has an idea... And then he gets the news desk to do the dirty work. Yes, it's that's actually right, yeah. going to be my old friends on the news desk at the Evening Standard who are going to have to kill and chop up the Yeah, can minister. we just go to... I'll give you this address. Just chop up the old girl yeah. and bring, <laughs> bring her to <laughs> bring mine. Bring her back. Bag her up, stick her in the smeg. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure misogyny would be the first thing that you'd be charged with. I think it's... Uh, Aggravated it's a, misogyny. A, a, a fabulous piece, and, uh, and you should all go and read Even it. Even though you... This bloke ruined you. It's basically ruined your authoring career. No, authoring is that? No, it wasn't that. It was it was a double Achilles injury that put paid to it, and then the, and then Brexit. Right. Okay. We'll talk about this off air. Off air. Okay. Um, Shall we talk about the Lib Dems now? Well, I'm very excited, obviously, because conference season. You're going, aren't you? And I am. I will be attending numerous conferences over the coming weeks. So Bournemouth and Sir Vince um, is making his debut as leader. What a combination. Mm. Bournemouth <laughs> and Savinsk Gable in late September. So, Steve, what does Savinsk <clears throat> have to do to, to, to win over the conference hall? Well, he could do a few tricks, couldn't he? I he suppose. can dance, can't he? Of course he can, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because he's got. It's, it's quite difficult, isn't it? it? Because he. There's a significant number of people in that hall who believe that the Lib Dems' position should be that, never mind the referendum, we are just staying in the EU. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they believe that that is a vote winner. He clearly does not believe that is a vote winner. Uh, he was he, he made an extremely good point, I think, about um, the state of British business being in flux because of all this. And Theresa May went, well, shortly after the referendum or whenever it was, you said that there shouldn't be a second referendum. And yet that is the position that he is espousing. He's had a go at Juncker, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. He's called him an extremist. 
previously, he, I think before the referendum, he didn't really sound uh, completely all in on the European Union to begin with. Um, so it is a, a, a balancing act. Yeah. Well, all eyes will be on Savince, but of course, if you if you turn your gaze elsewhere at the Liberal Democrat Conference, there's all kinds of great things going on. Well, um, what are you looking forward to the most? Well, uh, Tim Tim Farron, yeah, he's going to be offering some reflections. Is he? Yes. Reflections of the way love used to be. <laughs> Is he going to be doing that one? Him and his spaniel <laughs> up on stage. Yes, that's right, Jasper. <laughs> Yes. Jasper the Spaniel. Jasper the Spaniel. Is that what he's called, really? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Smell my Jasper. Smell my... <laughs> <laughs> um, he will be offering some reflections early, very early. on Early reflections. <laughs> on Monday morning, he will be offering some reflections to the conference prayer he's, group. He's going to be offering reflections at the seaside in Bournemouth. Yeah, to the conference prayer group on Monday morning. Will they be like the reflections that you get when you go to the seaside and you see yourself in the mirror and <laughs> you're really small and fat? Well, who knows? Or very big and tall like um, Jacob Rees-Mogg? Possibly. I mean, sadly, it does mean, because it's such an early start, that he is going to have to miss the uh, LGBT meeting, which is uh, <laughs> late the night before. Lib Dem MP Norman Lamb. Yes. He has written a piece for Liberator magazine. Liberator? That's right. Hang on. What? I'm feeling a bit triggered by this, <laughs> by this name. Go on, tell me about Liberator. Well, Liberator's a, a, a liberal magazine. Right. Um, it's been around since the 70s. It's difficult for me, this one. Right. I think you need to explain. Do you remember the song Liberator by the post-punk band Spear, Spear of Destiny? Of Destiny. I you do. do. I do. It's quite good, isn't it? Yeah. And I like Spear of Destiny. So, this... Just indulge me for a minute if you're listening to this podcast. Well, you are listening to this podcast. Indulge you for about 20 minutes already. <laughs> That's right, yeah. So, so back in the midst of time, I worked as a chef in the famous Manchester's famous Hacienda nightclub. And uh, did you know that? This is a great story. Yeah, it's good already, isn't yeah. it? And I left the employment of the Hacienda in an argument over... You walked out? I, I, I threw my pinny down and Did walked you, out. What, at, at Tony Wilson? No, no. Yeah. At, at some, at other other members of the, the uh, restaurant staff, in a, and it was in a row over whether Spear of Destiny's chips were undercooked or not. Were they undercooked? I think they were slightly undercooked, and this was what the row was. <laughs> so you... I was I, my, my argument was that they wouldn't have been undercooked if they'd been... People not out watching Spear of Destiny, but actually helping. So you were running the kitchen taking, by yourself. I was cooking, and I had to take the orders and clear up all the plates. So that was the that was the argument. And I'll tell, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what the the the, the crunch point, the pinny down uh, moment came when um, when somebody said during this heated argument. <coughs> excuse me. Somebody said, uh, "Yeah, Tony Wilson said last week that his chips were undercooked as well," Jesus. and that. Was the pinny down? I, I don't remember this from the from the film Twenty Four Hour Party. No, I think people. that was. I think it's on the um, director's cut. Yeah, 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 <laughs> the yeah. Pinny, pinny gate. That's right. Yeah, it's uh, a, it's on, in the clips. Yeah. Wow, that is an extraordinary story. So, Spirit, so Liberator. I, I can now say it after all these years. <laughs> Go on. So, what's Liberator? <laughs> no. what, what's Liberator doing? Well, Norman Lamb has written for Liberator, and oh, he's okay. a bit grumpy. He's Norman. Yeah. Um, Why is he grumpy? Well, 
well, that will become clear. But he writes, there is no doubt that this was a sobering election for Liberal Democrats. The fall in our national vote share and a record number of lost deposits was disappointing given what we were up against. Which perhaps on the eve of conference doesn't strike the... Uh... He's really whipping them up into a frenzy, isn't he? Yeah, so I rang Norman because I thought, I, you know, the European could maybe try and cheer him up a bit. Was this to invite him round with... Veronica Wadley at your <laughs> chicken lasagna affair. No, but it was to invite him out because on Saturday night, famously at the Lib Dem conference, there is the Lib Dem disco, <laughs> which goes until. Is it really a Lib Dem disco? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the flyer says, "Come strut your stuff on Saturday night." Um, it goes until one a.m. One a.m. One a.m. And last year, Paddy <laughs> Ashton DJed. Paddy Ashton DJed. Yeah. Uh, and who'd have thought he was really into late eighties? Acid House. Well, he's yeah, bangers. He's Rotterdam style oh, jabber. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's he's he, he was all over the decks. Oh my god. Anyway, I rang Norman, and Norman said, "Oh, I'm I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I was turned down by Norman Lamb. He was he wouldn't come round. A disco date with Norman was re- refused. Why did he turn you down? That's well, rude. He said, he, he said, and these are his words: "I've got to go to a bloody awful 60th birthday party." Oh. So I thought, well, fair enough. I, I happened to wiki Norman doing my research, of course, and uh, he was born on September the 16th, 1957. <laughs> so it's his, his own bloody awful 60th Brilliant. birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Norman Lamb. Norman. That is the news for this week. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Your first 13 issues of The New European are only £13 when you join us and become a subscriber. Order by telephone by calling 01858 438840 and quoting Podcast One, or order online at our website, www.neweuropean.co.uk. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Welcome back. Uh, I'm joined by Jerry Scott. Hi, Jerry. Hello. Jerry's going to talk us through what happens now with the uh, snappily titled, I think it's about his fourth title now, European Union, open brackets, withdrawal, close brackets, bill. Um, now, of course, it went through, passed on second reading um, on... Monday. Monday, that's quite right. Or actually, Tuesday, it was 17 minutes past oh. midnight when, <laughs> when the PA snapped it, so just well. after midnight, perhaps. Um but this is by no means the end of the argument on this one, by no means the end of the debate. So what happens after second reading, Jerry? Well, well, first of all, I miss uh, I miss some old names. I miss the Great Repeal Bill. Yes. I thought that was dramatic. But um, so what happens now? Yeah, like you say, MPs voted in principle um, in favour of the Repeal Bill. Um, and But loads of people have been left kind of saying, what happens now? Because it's a bit of a mystery how things get to be law for a lot of people. It's a complicated process. It's, it's a complicated um, yeah. process. It can often take months and months and then suddenly just disappear and end up in the long grass. Now, this one certainly <laughs> won't. It won't. Um, it won't. Um, so, yeah, there's a long road still to go. Um, there are loads of MPs who want to amend it at the next stage, which is the uh, committee stage. Um, and there are even those who supported it at the second reading who have tabled a load of amendments. Um not all of them will go through, but there are things like the use of delegated powers, um, giving Parliament the final say on the withdrawal agreement. That's an important one, isn't it? That is an important one. Um, and also restoring the EU Charter on fundamental rights. So, yeah, now we go on to the committee stage. 
So, some of these amendments are going to get passed, aren't they? Yeah, some of them will. Um, And... So, so what actually happens at committee stage then? We, the, the the amendments we put forward will be discussed, and then there'll be a vote on each individual one. Well, so basically, what happens is the bills picked piece, kind of clause by clause. Mm-hmm. There's a vote on the clauses, um, and yeah, then the amendments are considered. Um, but no, I mean there are loads of them, so you're not you're not going to see. Um, all of them, but you know, a fair few are considered. Goes that was back the other to... controversial thing, wasn't it? This week yeah. about the, the amount of time that's been given over. I think far more time given over to Maastricht in um, in ninety two. Yeah. Um, so there is because of the timescale, I guess, involved in this. It's very much uh, has to be done by a certain time. I that... mean, we are on a time limit, but there were there was also kind of some discussion to say that time could possibly be extended yeah. to, you know, get a bit more debate in there. Um, so we expect the bill to uh, be broadly similar to what it is now by the end of the committee stage, but with with some amendments. Yeah, absolutely. Then what? Third reading, which is kind of the final chance in that part of the lawmaking yeah. to debate it, um, for MPs to kind of shout about how dissatisfied they are with it, if they feel amendments haven't gone far enough, Um and it's likely that many will feel that way. Yeah, that's when it's going to get really rough. I think, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they can make that clear there, show about it a bit more before it heads off to the House of Lords. Right. Um, now, this is interesting, isn't it? Because yeah. the Lords are not as shackled by um, towing party line no. often. There, there is, as we know, a majority of Remainers in the House of Commons, bizarrely, but there is also a majority of Remainers in the House of Lords. Yeah. So... Should we be looking to the Lords to to try and make some sense out of this uh, this confusion of a bill? Yeah, I mean, the Lords' role is interesting, as you say. Um, they do go through the same steps as the Commons. Um, but yeah, like you say, the government is outnumbered in the Lords. Um, and in general, peers have previously voted, you know, on bills that promote EU integration. They're pretty pro-EU. Um so it's expected there are going to be, again, a load of amendments coming through from the Lords. There's going to be some what's called ping-pong there, then, between, back and forth between the Lords. There and the will, Commons. yeah, kind of deciding which amendments are going to be adopted, which aren't. Um, and one of the big ones for the Lords has been uh, the lack of parliamentary scrutiny. Obviously, that's yeah. a big one in the Commons as yeah. well, but the yeah. Lords have been very vocal about how how they're not really happy with that. Um, there was a report in March from the Lords uh, Select Committee on the Constitution, which... Um, they set out their stall really and Mrs May turned it around a bit so the Lords supported her mm. approach mm. which they prom- weren't happy about that then really. they weren't happy and it means that this week the chair of the committee sorry last week the chair of the committee came out and like he said the government had misquoted them mm. basically mm. said they're still worried about this so you can expect that they're going to kick up a bit of a fuss about that I think that. that there is some anger amongst the Lords actually about about that yeah um, but ultimately though in your opinion Jerry. The Lords aren't going to scupper this whole bill, are they? They're not. No, they're not. And I mean, if they really were to kick up a massive fuss, as we know, um, the Commons could push through without them. Yes. That is an option, but that's not going to happen. However loud they shout about the amendments they want, I think the government will probably accept a lot of their amendments. Uh-huh. Partly to get the legislation onto the statute books by 2019. That's the other thing. Not only are the people who are making the amendments um, governed by this by this quick turnaround, mm-hmm. by this time, the government are as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but also, you know, a number of MPs did give their 
um, kind of support at the second reading stage in return for assurances that things can be changed. Mm. So to not accept amendments, I think, would be a mistake yes. for the government. Yes. Um, at least to some extent. But then, like you say, you're stuck in, you could be stuck in ping pong between the two if they can't agree. Eventually, you would imagine they do agree and it goes off to royal assent to become law. Yeah. Um, but the kind of bottom line is here is that the final act could look really different from the initial bill. Yeah. You know, the basis of it isn't going to change, but with these concerns from the Lords and with this whole host of amendments that have been tabled by the Commons, lots of fiery arguments to come, and it'll be interesting to see what it looks like in the end. I guess the biggest concern seems to be... I mean, this is not about... I've, there's been lots of confusion on social media and lots of people... Um, I, I guess some down the country confused about exactly what this bill is, and yeah. perhaps as journalists, we don't. We often see in shorthand the Brexit bill. Yeah, I've certainly done that this week, and really, it's not quite as simple as that, is it? I think people thought that this was another chance to stop Brexit. No, of no. course, that's not the case. This is the, this is the, the bill that will um, that brings over EU law, I guess, into UK law. Yeah, it basically then, converts it, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah. And then we've got the we spoke about the Henry VIII powers last week. Um, I think that's where the 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 um, the real arguments are going to focus, aren't they? And you've yeah. already mentioned that the Lords are upset about it. How, how could how could they amend it to make that less offensive? Well, so there's been an idea muted that kind of that you sift through these laws and that that as it stands at the moment, it'll be using the uh, statutory powers basically to almost bypass scrutiny and make EU law into UK law. Yeah. Um, and there is, there's been an idea that you can sift through and decide that certain parts are going to get more scrutiny, kind of through a committee type situation. Um, but again, you are bound by this timescale thing. There's mm, so mm. much to get through mm. in so little time. Um, and it really, I'm not sure it's possible. Yeah. I think that I spoke to Norman Lamb, um, MP, Lib Dem MP. It was in a difficult situation actually regarding Brexit because although he was a Remainer, his constituents mm. uh, voted to leave, and he abstained from the triggering of Article Fifty. And I think I was certainly under the impression that he may well abstain again on on this. He, oh, yeah. he didn't actually. He voted against it because of his concerns about the lack of parliamentary scrutiny going forward with the Henry VIII powers. Um, and what I think I think he summed it up perfectly. He said, "You've got to the government has got to consider how they would feel if their opponents mm. had that power." Absolutely. And you know, this seems very much like a short term, a short term uh, solution. They don't yeah. seem to be looking beyond. And how horrified would Theresa May be if, in two years' time? Or less, Jeremy Corbyn is wielding these powers. I mean, I, I yeah. imagine she would be um, somewhat upset. And you know, these powers—they kind of give Theresa May the mandate that she would have wanted from the election, yes, but that she didn't get. Yes, yeah. So it's it's ended up her way round, even though possibly the electorate didn't want it to be. I can understand why people oh, yeah. will. Or I can understand why she did it, but I can also understand why people will feel cheated at her doing it. Yeah, because it's not particularly democratic, is it? No, absolutely not. But um, but yeah, still constrained by that time, and uh, we'll see how it progresses through. Of course, this is only the first of eight bills, I yeah. believe. So we've got this to go through 
round and round <laughs> eight times. Another seven times. Plenty of fodder for us here, though. Okay, great. Well, that explains it, Jerry. Thank you very much for that. Brexiteer of the Week. Welcome back. This is the moment when we crown our Brexiteer of the Week. Steve. Well, this is a sad week for me. A very sad week because Get Carter, mm. one of my favourite films. Yes. Hannah and Her Sisters, also one of my favourite films. Ruined forever because Michael Caine, Sir Michael, has told an audience at the Venice Film Festival that he supports Brexit because, quote, I'd rather be a poor master of my own fate than a rich servant of someone else's. So he'd rather be poor. Ah. That is Michael Caine. When was the last time you think Michael Caine was actually poor? Oh, probably about, well, when did Alfie come out? Well, I'm, I think it was, I mean, he was an established TV actor before that, yeah. so I think he's not been poor for about 60 years, Michael yeah. Caine. Yeah. He lives in a £10 million house, which he deserves, in 20 acres of Surrey countryside, which he also deserves. Yeah. He's got a net worth of 60 million quid, which he also deserves. Yeah. But he really shut Anyway, next, Peter Hargreaves. Do you know who he is? He is the co-founder of Hargreaves Lansdowne. That is a financial services company. He gave 3.2 million quid to Aaron Banks and Leave.eu. Aaron Banks? What does he need 3.2 million quid for? Just for a night out, I suppose. But anyway, so he gave 3.2 million to Leave.eu. He's given an interview... Um, to the Sunday Times, where he said Aaron Banks was, quotes, very odd. He, and he said that Leave.eu's campaign was, and I quote, a little bit racist. <laughs> so, but he did say that Brexit is fantastic, so that is, that's all good, good news. He, oh, he also said that the official Folk Leave campaign was based on lies. Porky Pies. A ah. little bit racist, one campaign, Porky Pies the other campaign. Great. Aidan Powlsland, I don't think we should go a week without mentioning oh. him. He is 100 to 1 outsider for the UKIP leadership. He has introduced his manifesto this week. He wants to do you know he wants to cut these things. Child benefits or yes. this not cut, sorry, get rid of completely. Yeah, well, wh- wh- why give money to poor children? Well, no, that's I know. Exactly. Tax credits, they're out. Rail subsidies, no, they're gone. Yeah. All maternity and paternity benefits, that's that's out the window. Yeah. yeah Overseas aid no, we don't need that. No, the no. BBC's budget, that's only being cut in half. And okay. if you want to see a doctor, it's going to cost you 15 quid a time, no matter who you are. Yeah. But there's an upside to this. £25 billion, up to £25 billion, yeah, yeah, on yeah. a secret underwater missile base. Wait a minute, secret? In the Falklands. <laughs> Yeah. Not a secret anymore, is it? Well, no, he's told them where it's going to be now. And then, obviously, five, mil- five billion on an asteroid belt mining rocket, a crude interstellar, not a crude interstellar <laughs> ship, a very advanced one, but one with a crew on it, yes. uh, and a flying aircraft carrier. Well, he has been banging on about this for a few months now, Yeah, he has, he? yeah, yeah. But, yeah. He's, had but he's not really outlined before how he's going to pay for it, which That's is just how. in cutting everything. Well, I like this Tracy I get. turning the Falkland Islands into, like, Tracy Island. It's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, Thunder Penguins. And, finally, the Brexiteer of the Week... Fresh from speaking at far-right rally in Germany, which was organised by the granddaughter of Hitler's finance minister, it's Nigel Farage, the nicotine-stained manfrog. He tweeted at the weekend, the EU isn't working, 
we need a Europe of democratic nation states who cooperate together. Yeah. Hmm. Could it be some sort of European Union? Sounds like a good idea, Nigel. Yeah. So Nigel Farage, Brexiteer of the Week, also moaned about EU flags being waved, uh, didn't he, at the last night of the proms, yep. ignoring the fact that flags from many countries are normally waved at the last night of the proms. Most of the performers are European and they perform songs uh, and works by European composers. Uh, so Nigel Farage, Brexiteer of the Week, complete f***ing idiot. Can we also give a special mention to Anne-Marie Waters? Oh, because I'll tell you why, actually. It's not so much Anne-Marie Waters, but Stuart Agnew, MEP, <laughs> who I interviewed earlier on this week. Yes. And I'm not going to go fully into what he said, because uh, it would be too long-winded. But he did refer to Anne-Marie Waters as a kind of female Gandhi. <laughs> He's previously called her a Joan of Arc. That's right. I'm not quite sure. So... We asked you on social media this week, dear listener, to um, come up with what you would serve Theresa May if you were asked to cook for her. Because, of course, as we've mentioned previously, she um, came up with this incredible, delicious, I'm sure, chicken lasagna and boiled potatoes combo. Um, and you've you've come back with some some hilarious, possibly. Rather curt, definitely, uh, responses. Send her to a food bank, says Jerry Burrows. Uh, I think that's probably uh, not a bad idea. Boiled Swede, says Gareth Mapp, because that's all we'll be able to afford after Brexit. Maybe not even boiled. Anne Christine says, nothing. I would take her money and threaten to send her back home. Yeah. I think that's robbery, though, isn't it? Rather than uh, yeah, it's not, that, it's not that pleasant, is it? Um, Mark Folgate said, I would swap the dessert and main course around, eaten mess followed by a large portion of humble pie. We did have, there were quite a lot of it humble was. pies, weren't there? There was. I like this one from Lex. Uh, straight bananas in a jus of refugee child's tears. Oh. <laughs> that sounds quite expensive. It does, doesn't it? It's uh, 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 And then Angela Marston, raw turnips, Picked by primary school children and painted yellow by pensioners because bananas are unpatriotic. My favourite one of all is from Duncan at Ban T-shirts, and he said simply, "Shit on toast." <laughs> I love that he's putting it on toast for her. On that's, toast. That's the best like a bit. fine pate. <laughs> um, we are, of course, all over social media. Check us out there. That was another edition of the New European Podcast. Thank you so, so much for listening. We all really appreciate it. If you haven't already, go out, pick up a copy of the paper. It's on sale now. All good news agents all across the country. You will definitely be able to find a copy. There's tons of stuff in there, not just Brexit and politics. There is art, there is culture, there is fashion, there is music, there is food. It is absolutely full of excellent stuff. My name's Richard Porritt. Until next week, thank you very much.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 